Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Mel. And I'm Trish. And this is the Don't Give a 50 podcast. Let's make getting old the new gold, as oh, you say. I like that. I like that one too. That was mine. <laughs> that was mine. Hi, 50 Ishers. It's Mel and Trish. Welcome to this week's episode of Don't Give a 50, a podcast for midlife women who dare to be awesome and just. Don't give a 50 like us. You're already laughing, Trish. And I know why, because we don't have any more reviews. (laughs) On our show planner it goes... Shout outs to reviews. And next to that it says, can't find any. Which was me. <laughs> can't find anything. So ladies, gentlemen, yeah. 50-ish tribe, it's time to get the stationery out, <laughs> draft an email, <laughs> send a voice message, comment on our Insta, something. Anything. Something, something, something. Anything. Yeah. So, and if we'll you give you a shout share out. the podcast, share recommend the to a friend, give We'd us love a five-star review, it would be appreciated. Absolutely. Yeah. And once again, it's not for our egos. It's podcasting currency, so then we can keep doing what we do. There might be a smidgen of ego in there, but, you know. Well, for Mel. (laughs) Yes. She's fully sick about it. I'm fully (laughs) sick about it. So, Trish, I'm pumped for today's episode because we're chatting to psychologist Peter Quarry about his recently published self-help memoir, If I Were You, A Psychologist Puts Himself on the Couch. And trust me, I love nothing better than a good chat with a psychologist. Hey, me too. Me too. Their insight and their wisdom is uh, is next level. So Peter's a multi-award winning psychologist whose videos and training programs are used by Fortune 500 companies, universities and companies in over 20 countries around the world. Wow. He was a resident psychologist on Good Morning Australia for seven years and is a sought-after seminar leader and speaker. I so, probably watched you back in the day, yeah. Peter, without even realising that I'd one day 
virtually meet you. Hang on, Peter's not supposed to be here yet. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the level of professionalism you, we bring to the show, Peter. You, you told me not to say anything until you intro. I know, that's right. I think mean, we should leave it in so people really zip, know how I'm smooth we are. It. I'm going to zip it and go back You're to You're a legend. <laughs> you are such a legend just running with us and that's what you have to do because we are a bit random. Anyway. Once again, Trisha, I find myself both thrilled and blown away that a person of this calibre is actually happy to put some time aside. I know. From a no doubt very busy schedule to chat to us when we are known on occasion to talk a bit of nonsense. Yes, I feel very humbled and hope that I can bring the A game today. (laughs) Me too, me too. Our A game needs to be on. Anyway, we're going to be talking about why he wrote the book, um, but the most exciting thing for me is that I think a lot of the content and the methodologies he talks about can help us as midlife women as we transition through this stage of so life. So really you're hoping on a, of a one-on-one psychology session well, It's really kind today. of like two-on-one because you're here with me, but, you know, like... Yeah, yeah. We can all share. Yeah, it's my ego, remember? <laughs> it's all about me, except it's not. It's about our 50s tribe. Anyway, Peter is online chatting to us from Melbourne. Hello and welcome to Don't Give a 50, Peter Quarry. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it was so hard. I had to sort of hold my mouth, not to sort of laugh, comment, go along with you, crack a joke and what have Just you. please feel free. I love you. You can now, Peter. You, you well, can now. Because you love us, Pete, we love you. We lo- Pete. Look at me, I'm already calling him Pete. <laughs> if I may. Darling. Peter, if I may. Oh, my gosh. We are <laughs> so right. naughty. We're so naughty. I just want to put it out there to you, Peter, that we refer to our audience as our 50-ish tribe. We yep. often substitute the F-bomb for 50. You probably know a bit of a bit of. That. Sometimes we just say it outright. So our 50-ish tribe are midlife women and you're... Not always. Uh, not always. Most of, most of our 50-ish tribe are midlife women. But and we accept yeah. anyone. We do. We do. Um, and you're only the second male guest that we've had to... To uh, chat too, so we hope you're all wow. okay with that, because we're thrilled. Wow, I'm I'm honoured. I'm really, really honoured. Only the second, the second. Well, you know, what we share is being over fifty, and yes. you know, certainly the experience is different for men and women, but probably it's more similar than it's different. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like, I did seven years on Good Morning Australia. I can't even imagine how was, fun that was. That was. That was that was live around the country. Oh, and my gosh. Apparently, apparently, the minimum number of people watching was 250,000. Oh, wow. And I used, to, I used to give Bert, like, questions and stuff and a topic yeah. that I was going to cover. Sometimes he'd go with it. Sometimes he would just completely disregard it and just go somewhere. And it's not like I could, I could say, can we do a second take of <laughs> yes, this, please? Yes, I have to go with it. And you have no idea what sometimes happens. So I can handle anything. I love that. I don't know. So far, anyway. Okay, we'll share. Do you want, would you like me to ask a question? <laughs> yes. Trisha, Trish, while, while Mel is clutching around yes. trying to find her question, yes. I just want to say that I think this is a fantastic idea having this podcast. Oh, Peter, thank because, you. Because you know, I'm, I'm really serious because, you know, I think when you get to a certain age, it's very easy to kind of get forgotten. We often talk about becoming invisible. Yes. And we get forgotten. And we're kind of discarded. And I think the more people like you and hopefully me as well, who are of a certain age, who are talking about it, are showing that we're having fun, uh, are sharing the wisdom that we've got, 
and a, and a being out there, you know, as as identifiable, functioning, smart people. I think that is really, really, really important. Yeah, we need, us we too. Need positive role models. Just sharing that conversation so people don't feel alone, because you can feel very alone at this time. Look, it's very funny. I was at a party a couple of weeks ago, and I was talking to a couple of young people. I think they must have been in their thirties, and I, I don't remember what we were talking about. But one of them asked me at one stage. I mean, I'm in my late sixties. One of them asked me. What's it like being your age? And I looked at them and I thought for a moment and I said, with absolute 100% honesty, I said, it's not nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, absolutely. Do you agree with that? Yeah, we were having this same conversation with a girlfriend last night and we were just saying, it's absolutely brilliant. You know, yeah. they're my, some of my friends are just a little bit um, further down the track, not necessarily in age, just a year or two, but their children yeah. are a bit older, et cetera. So whereas mine, you know, I've got a daughter in um, year 12 and a son that's in just about to go into year 10, so I'm still kind of in yeah. those trenches. But they're at the stage where they're just a little bit further along and yeah. so they've just got that freedom and that sense of, you know, yeah, I think it's freedom. I think it's that sense of yeah. the whole what people think of you and all of that. Sometimes it gets in the back of their head, but it's in the back now, not in the front. So people are just going, I really don't care. And yeah, yeah. life's good. And if I, I don't, really don't want to do something, I'm not going to feel obliged to do it. Yeah. And yeah. I've got that yeah. choice and I've got the freedom. So yeah, yeah, I, I think it's, it's just the only downside is the aches and pains sometimes, <laughs> the functionalities. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but yeah, I agree. Right. I think it's a yeah. brilliant time. And yeah, nowhere near as bad or, or as kind of daunting or unravelling as expected. I think that a lot of people that may have, like if their currency when they was younger, when they were younger was their their looks or their figure or if that's their main thing, I think they will struggle more than people who that was never the most important thing. Of course, of course, although often what they have to do is they have to kind of find something else yeah. around which to build their sense of self-worth and their self-value. Yeah. What's very interesting as you're talking, I was remembering um, there's a very, I mean, a lot of research has been done around the relationship between age and happiness. I'm yes. sure you're familiar with it. But what it shows very clearly is that when you're young, you're pretty happy. I mean, although a lot of young people are not happy, which is a whole other thing we can get into. But, you know, generally speaking, you're happy. As you get older, your happiness level tends to drop and it bottoms out. The average is around the age of sort of 45, 46. Wow. And from there, your happiness level starts going back up again. And by the time you're in your sort of 60s and 70s, you're as happy as you were when you were in your teens and 20s. Oh, my gosh, that's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and it makes total sense to me because, of course, around your 40s, when you've got your kids, your parents are getting older, you know, your career's a pain in the neck. You've got all these pressures. Life is, you know, you're also getting older and for the first time, you're starting to realise that you're getting older. You know, the grey hairs are appearing. Yes, yeah, yeah. Things are starting to fall on your body. Um, so that's the time that people tend to be at their lowest level of happiness. But from then on, 
it's all the way up. I love that and I'm looking forward to it. So, Peter, <laughs> what a 15 fascinating life you have lived, an exciting life you are living. Now, this is a big ask, especially with the limited time that we have during a podcast, but if you would share your backstory, the Peter Quarry yeah. highlight reel, so our 50s tribe can get up to speed with you, that would be awesome. Mm, that's a nice easy one just to start you off. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 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 So I'll, I'll, try and, I'll try and do this really, really fast. I was, um, my mother was German. She and my father met in Germany before the war because my father, who was Australian, was an engineer for General Motors and they sent him over to Germany and he met my mother and then the war broke out. Out and he had to come back to Australia and they didn't see each other for eight years because, oh. of course, there was no internet or anything like that. No. And after the war, he tracked her down <gasps> and he sent her a telegram and he said, I still love you, I want to marry you, come to Australia. I've just got goosebumps from head to toe. Beautiful. I I actually, I can see the film. Meryl Streep is my mother. George Clooney is my father. Nice. I'm Brad Pitt. Of course. Um, uh, Even though I haven't got any hair. So, uh, So I was born, my father died when I was only two years old. And my mother, who really now, I re- in retrospect, I realised had post-traumatic stress disorder mm. after living in, a, in Germany with oh, the bombs gosh, for all sure. those, yep. you know, think Ukraine. Uh, she couldn't decide whether she wanted to live in Australia or Europe. And I spent most of my childhood travelling backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. Where she could, you know, she went to Germany, then she didn't like it, she came back to Australia. We ended up in Italy when I was 12 because she married an Italian and I spent four years, my adolescence, in Rome, which was pretty oh, awesome. Wow. Then I came back to Australia when I was 17. I went to university. I studied. I became a psychologist. I uh, worked for a number of years as a practicing psychologist until I realized that I wanted to do something else. I I needed a bigger pond to swim in. Mm -hmm. And I got into the kind of corporate education scene, which was just starting then. Think leadership training, you know, teamwork, you know, customer service, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And as a psychologist, of course, I had a great kind of entree into all of that because it's all basically psychology, really. You know, how you do people. So I did, I I worked in that field and then I set up a company with a, a friend of mine, another psychologist called Eve Ash, and we produced corporate training videos for about another 20, 25 years. And we built that business up. And we, as I think you said in the intro, we ended up distributing our programs in 20 countries around the world. We won a whole bunch of awards, had this incredible business. I sold out when I was 50 Mm -hmm. because I thought I want to do something different. And I went and studied interior design. Oh, nice. Which is something I was always interested in. Great. And I did a TAFE course, a three-year TAFE course. And one of the subjects was drawing, and I mean, I hadn't picked up a pencil in 40 years, <laughs> yes. and I realised that I quite liked it. So I then went to art school and learned to paint, oh and for gosh. a number of years, awesome. I, um, I was a portrait painter, and I had some exhibitions, and I did a few commissions, and then around the age of, in my early 60s, a few years ago now, I decided to write a book, and that brings me to you. Wow. I love that. Yeah, yeah. So I, I do what like do you, the... What do, you, what, do you, what do you love most? About. Oh, I love the no, way the you just. Story just my parents, right? Oh yeah, well, yeah that, that story's that's, amazing. Yeah, that story's amazing. But I love the fact that you just come to these points in your life and think that okay, I need a change now. And so you just yeah. do something about yeah. it. You action a plan. The courage and bravery to go, yeah, this is who I am and this is what I'm doing, yeah. but, hey, I'm willing to throw caution to the wind and, and reinvent it may not, myself. It may not have been successful, Peter, like your corporate video doesn't thing. Mm, yeah, it yeah. Doesn't, it doesn't matter. You, you've got, you, if, if you're too scared about whether something is f- going to fail, you won't do anything. Mm. And then all of a sudden you'll find yourself 
I mean, I don't want to be gruesome, but you'll find yourself on your deathbed and you'll start having regrets. Yes. And I've always tried to live my life yeah. with the philosophy that if I'm struck down now and you two, if I'm lucky enough that you two girls are there cradling me in my last moments, <laughs> Happy and you, to. Look at me, you won't know which one, to, which one will ask it, but you'll say, Peter, did you do everything that you wanted to do? I want to be able to say with absolute 100% honesty, yes, I did. Yes. yes. Nice. That's that is great. good. And I'll tell you something else I like too. I like the sort of marriage, if you like, of psychology with interior design because I would imagine, I mean, I'm not an interior designer or stylist, but there is psychology that goes into that. You know, totally. you yeah, know totally. how people live, why yeah. they live, you know, mm. their habits, all that sort of stuff. And yeah. you with your yeah. background and your training yeah. and your knowledge, I think you would have brought a lot of wisdom mm. into that area. Well, I was a very difficult student because I was, I think I was the only male and I was the oldest by about 30 years. So yeah, who was, gives, yeah, but who <laughs> gives a 50? Because I was really old when, well, you know, when I went back to uni and um, and I smashed it because I was more disciplined because yeah. I wasn't going out partying and getting, you know, blind drunk, you know. Like, like you were in your first time at uni. Yeah, yeah, like first time I went to uni. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let that That's halo fair, come down I'm, and choke you I'm, now or I'll start telling I stories. Thought I, I thought I recognised you, Trick, <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, I wasn't in Melbourne. That that would have been fun. Mm. I would love to have studied down there. But that's uh, okay. Yeah. I like that highlight reel, and you did that so succinctly. See, Trish. Yeah, psychologists are so good at this. They're very succinct. Trish and I are not known for that, Peter. But anyway, you're a legend <laughs> running with us already. Because should we tell our fifties tribe? I printed out the wrong questions. Well, they may hear the... it. We may leave that whole part in because I thought it was brilliant. Well, Peter if... and I talked about some really interesting stuff while you were. Getting I know sorted. you did. I'm. I'm a little bit concerned about the amount of swearing that no, uh, I was doing no, in the background. Leave it in. Leave it in. Oh, but anyway, 50th. Peter, we're okay. now up to the point where you mm. were compelled yep. to write the book. Yeah. What yeah. made you want to write this book? Tell us. Well, I was um, I, I was sort of, as they say, in between engagements and I was thinking, what do I want to do with myself now? I started reading a little bit about the psychology of ageing. And I came across the work of a woman, an American psychotherapist called Victoria Howard, and she had written about some of the things that you need to do as you get older. And two things in particular struck me. One is the idea of reviewing your life. In other words, kind of stepping back from the hurly-burly and kind of looking at your life and trying to make sense of it. And the other thing that she talked about is the idea of passing on wisdom to those who follow. Mm -hmm. And it struck me that those two tasks are actually related. And I thought, if I review my life, you know, particularly given the life that I've had as a psychologist with, you know, lots of ups and downs, Mm -hmm. um, I thought I might be able to come up with some wisdom that I can share to those who follow. So I started writing the book. And at first I thought, look, I'll just do this as a sort of exercise for me. You know, I didn't want to kind of think about publishing. Yeah, like a personal journal. I think Brene Brown calls it the shitty first draft. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, But about two-thirds of the way through, I was looking at it and I thought, no, I want to share this with people and I think this is – and, you know, it it got published in February this year and I've done lots of talks and I've been at literary festivals and blah, blah, blah. And I've just been blown away by – 
the reaction. I mean, I'll give you one example. I just spoke to a woman yesterday in WA who had been at a literary festival here in Melbourne, and she's you know around my age, and she 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 has been thinking about doing a similar exercise, but she didn't know how to. And she read my book, yep. and she contacted me, and she said, "Look, this has really given me a, a kind of a blueprint yep. for how to do it." Because you know, how the hell do you how the hell do you make sense of your life? Correct. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a big it's a big ask. Mm. But you know, Socrates, the famous Greek philosopher said the unexamined life is not worth living Mm -hmm. and really he was absolutely right you know it's a good thing to be able to do this particularly when you're at a certain age. Peter can I just backtrack slightly when you were talking about the work of the American psychoanalyst that you discovered what did she say was the purpose of the life review why should we do it? Well well I won't tell you what she said I'll tell you what I what I reckon Mm -hmm. because um, I've now I've done I I think there are three benefits Mm -hmm. first of all and, and I can give you examples of each of these if you'd like. Please. First of all, it, it allows you to make peace with the past. And that is, I think, a really important thing. In fact, let me give you an example and I'll come back to the other two benefits, mm-hmm. okay? So I told you a little bit about my childhood, that uh, you know my father died and I had the crazy mother and we were moving around all the time. Uh, then when I was 13, I realised I was gay, which of mm-hmm. course this was in the late 60s, yep. when to be gay, not like now where it's like super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very, very difficult. There was no sex education. There was no student counsellors. Yep. and There was nothing. It was a very lonely mm difficult thing to deal with as, as an adolescent. Yep. Really all of my adult life I've I've had this kind of feeling that I really got a bad deal as a child. You know, I got dealt bad cards. Why did my father have to die? Mm-hmm. Why couldn't somebody else's father have died? Mm-hmm. You know, why did I have to have the crazy numbers? So I've grown into an adult and lived my adult life with this kind of residual resentment and a bit of anger and a bit of a feeling of being a victim. When I did when I did my life review, because what you do when you do a life review is you 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 describe what happened in your life, but then you pose questions, you, you question it, you interrogate it. And one of the questions I asked is, is there another way of looking at my childhood mm-hmm. other than the one that I have now? Is there a different way of looking at my childhood that will actually result in me feeling good about my childhood? And I realised, bingo, yes, there is. Mm-hmm. And that is my childhood childhood taught me a whole bunch of things and in particular my crazy childhood (laughs) taught me resilience Mm. which is the ability to bounce back from adversity Mm. and adaptability which is the ability to cope with change with multiple change and I have those two skills in spade abundance now I look back on my childhood and I'm actually grateful that I had it as opposed to feeling victim now that's a pretty major change fully yeah liberating that's a very liberating. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, your listeners might be very justified in saying, hey, you're a bloody psychologist. It took you all this time to work this out. Well, yes. You're still a human. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Human. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, we often say this. It's all about that story that we attach to it, the meaning that we Absolutely. give it. So just that exercise of flipping it and looking Absolutely. at another perspective is just so powerful. Mm. We Absolutely. catch ourselves well, doing that daily. Look, this this is called narrative therapy. There's, yeah. there's a form of psychotherapy called narrative therapy, which is all about identifying and editing or changing the stories that we tell ourselves. So that's where that question came from. So one of the benefits is making peace with the past. And yep. I can tell you from my own personal experience, like almost life-changing. The second benefit of doing a life review is it allows you to increase your self-understanding, your self-awareness, your knowledge of yourself. 
And there is a mountain of psychological evidence that shows very clearly that people with higher levels of self-awareness have more successful relationships, they're more successful in their careers, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I'll give you an example there. Once again, I'll take it from my my life review that I did. I'm a bit, I'm slightly embarrassed to admit this. Don't be embarrassed, Peter, trust me. I realise that I am, I've got a streak of pessimism running through me. And it's a particular form of pessimism called inaccurate forecast. In other words, I always think that something negative is going to happen. Yes, okay, okay. Okay. And it manifests in a number of ways. For example, I'm a shocking hypochondriac. Oh. Because I always think It's not a tumour, Peter. It's not a tumour. Isn't that what Arnie says? That's right, exactly. I always think, you know, I'm walking along, I feel a hip. Oh, I've got a hip replacement. (laughs) I've got a few girlfriends, Will. I've got a headache. Oh, my gosh. What's going on? Is it a tumour? Yes. That's right. So, you know, um, but but I I remember when I was in my late 30s, I split up from a a very long-term relationship. And I went into a real funk. I mean, I went, I went into quite a low depression. I actually saw a psychiatrist for two years because I thought, wait for it, mm-hmm. this, like late days, I'm never going to meet anyone. Yes. 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 How ridiculous. Yes. But it's, it's not is- ridiculous because a lot of people out there feel that same way. And I'm sure that when people listen to this, they're going to go, relate and go, yeah, actually, I remember feeling like that too. But to stage. never, to attach yeah. the never yeah. to it is, yeah. I think, where you're coming from as well, Peter, isn't it? That that's Absolutely. a ridiculous it's notion. I, I, you know, I was negative about meeting somebody again. I was a hypochondriac. I, I'm aware that, you know, when I look at how I manage my money, I'm always down the risk adverse end because I always think there's about to be a crash. So yeah. what what I realised, I started joining the dots when I did this life review and I started looking at all these different things and I realised that I've got this kind of pessimism, this natural tendency towards pessimism. Mm. The third benefit of doing a life review is that you can think about what changes do you want to make going forward in your life. So for me, I want to catch myself being negative. So instead Mm. of, oh, you know, old age is going to be horrible, I realise that's just me being pessimistic again. It's me Mm. doing inaccurate forecasts. In fact, life is terrific. Yes. What was that word you used the other day? That you allowed ca- continue. No, no, um, catastrophize everything. Catastrophize, yeah. Yeah, yes. I like that. I can do yeah. that. I, I can be a bit of a catastrophizer. But I oh, am getting better. At, yeah. yeah, yeah, but I'm getting better at catching myself. Yeah. I've got a long Correct. way to go, though. And it though, also but, ties back into, mm, which mm. we've talked about before, is the scarcity mentality and mm. the abundance mentality. Like thinking with that abundance mentality, like everything's going to be good, there is going to be enough, mm. I think sends that, you know, a bit of woo-woo out but there. The, the idea of catching yourself, um, Mel, is really important and But it only happens if you have that self-understanding and that self-awareness that I was just talking about is the second thing. If you don't have it, you don't know what to catch. So Mm. you have to be aware in order to be able to catch yourself. Yes, self-awareness and understanding yourself and realising your strengths and weaknesses is terribly important. Even when, you you know, and as you said, you got in a bit of a funk, but it's getting into that funk and going, okay, I'm in a funk, Why? Where did I, what what behaviours or what thought patterns got me to this place? So it's kind of catching yourself well, well, after often, you've been there. Often you, don't, often you don't know. All you yeah. know is that you're in a funk. And yeah. that's, why, that's why I ended up going to see a psychiatrist. I, I went once a week for two years and it was a really great Brilliant. experience mm. for me because I had to work on a few issues and, and I did. And it, it set me then up for my yeah. 40s, which were really good. Yeah, yeah. Because of course yeah. the 40s. 40s can be a real killer um, and the early 50s for a lot, lot of people because they have the midlife crisis. 
crisis. Mm. Have, mm. You, have you girls had your midlife crisis yet? Well, define that. <laughs> <laughs> it's rare to have you um, Okay, so, yes. so 250-ish yes. women starting a podcast in midlife, was there yeah. a few precursors to get us to that point? Potentially, yes. Probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You asked me to define. Look, Could we be in the middle of it? Possibly, yes. <laughs> no, we're thriving. Look, yeah, we're fully you thriving. Don't like, <laughs> you don't look like. Yeah, no. Like. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Look, a, mid, a midlife crisis um, is basically happens typically in your forties, um, but you know there's some variation on that. And it, and what basically happens is that. Reality collides with your dreams and fantasies. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, when we were in our 20s, we had all these fantasies of how life was going to be and, you know, our relationships and our career and what have you. And then, you know, we get to this point where we think, okay, you know, how's the reality actually? Yeah. And if there's a mismatch between those two, yep. that can be really, really difficult. And this is when, you know, men, for example, typically you know, leave their partners if they're straight and go and have an affair with a 20-year-old secretary and they buy a red sports car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it's a, it, I, I mean, get that does happen yeah, quite, I know. quite often. I know, I know it happens. That's, that's absolutely right. So, you know, that, that can be very, very difficult for a lot of people and they just don't know, they don't understand what's happening even to themselves mm. and let alone how to, how to resolve it. And, and often part of the resolution is what we talked about before. It's taking some risks. It's doing some different it's starting a podcast you know mm. and, and exploring and you're absolutely right you know you might try something and it might not work okay fine pick yourself up and try something else I like that because yes. I know that it does hold a lot of us back isn't it the fear of failure is a huge absolutely. stumbling block absolutely and you know um the, you know there's, there's nothing wrong with failing. You know, failure is an opportunity to learn. I've, I've done, you know, my career, you, in my life, you, you said sounds fantastic. I've had lots of stumbles along the way, believe mm-hmm. me. I've tried things. When we used to make corporate videos, um, one in three flopped. Okay. Right? You know, yep. that's, that's how you know, we learned. One does well, one does so-so, one flops. And after you've been in the game a while, when you have a flop, okay, you realise, okay, that's fine. I mean, yeah. it always reminds me, I think, let me tell you a quick story. I, I, I remember when I was making corporate videos, I made, I made a program called Sales Stars, and it was about, you know, terrific salespeople. And I interviewed this guy who, actually, he was from Queensland, and he was this super-duper successful salesperson. I think insurance or something. Anyway, one of the issues that a lot of salespeople have is they call it call reluctance. They don't want to make the call because they don't want to get the rejection. Because who likes okay. rejection? Yeah, I mean, mm. people can do that. That's the same as relationships. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so what ends up happening is you end up procrastinating instead of going out there and, you know, giving it a shot because you don't want to be rejected. And I remember asking this guy, how do you cope with rejection? Mm. And he said, he said, I know f- from experience that I have to make 10 calls in order to get one person interested. Mm-hmm. It's a number. So yeah. that means I have to go to nine rejections. So every time I get a rejection, I'm thrilled because I know I'm one, one step closer, closer yeah. yes. next year. Mm, perfect. Now, that's just a change in perception, a change in mentality, mm-hmm. but means that, that, that this is totally relevant to people of our age, for example, who are doing dating internet dating mm-hmm. and I look at some of my contemporaries and some of them who have met people online and are having really terrific relationships and others who are stuck 
in a kind of negative rut, and it has a lot to do with the mentality that they use to approach it. Okay, so a couple of tips there. Can so, you... <laughs> so what mentality do oh, they yeah, well, they yeah, need? Well, 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 the, well the, the direct tip is you're going to have fizzes. Yes. Right. You're going to have fizzes, and every fizzer that you have, rather than oh, this is too hard, this is awful, this is really negative, this doesn't work. Every fizzer that you have takes you one call Close. closer. Mm. Yes. Mm. I thought you said uh, have have visits and I'm thinking, mm, okay. Well, well, I think they do have some visits, some visits, good visits and some visits are fizzer visits. <laughs> but Read into that what you will. Yes. <laughs> we don't want fizzing visits. But, no, no, it makes complete sense. Yeah. No, no, that makes sense. It's a numbers game, isn't it? Yeah. And, a and for every fizzer, you're one step closer to the winner. That's what, it is a numbers game. Mm-hmm. Now, look, I mean, I, I have this friend of mine. She is in her early 60s. She, I, I won't go into the whole long story, but she decided about a year ago that she wanted to get start dating again after a long pause, right. I mean, a decades-long pause. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yep. I remember, I remember talking to her. I had a look at her profile. I said, no, not that photo. You need this photo. Oh, my God, you're a legend. What a legendary friend yeah. to have. <laughs> I, well, you know, not not every – believe you me, not all my friends love my advice, you know, that I ram down their throats sometimes. <laughs> anyway, I take this photo and we need to change the profile. Anyway, mm-hmm. she met a guy within two weeks. Oh, my they gosh. They describe each other as – the loves of their lives. Oh, that so makes good. my heart happy. Together. They've just gone to Europe together. I mean, it's very easy to get negative around this issue. And what I'm, I mean, I met my husband yep. now yep. online 20 years ago. Oh, so nice. Um, it is possible. It is possible. And I think it for happens. our yes, generation, it it's right so attitude. different. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. had the right attitude though. That's that whole self-awareness that you were talking about. Um, and correct. not being fearful, jumping yeah, in, trying yeah. something new. Trying something. And not, and not catastrophizing also you know yes. i mean not not saying oh this is awful this is too hard mm. i can't bear this I mean, these are all negative stories that we tell ourselves that block ourselves look you know you commend me for having taken risks in my life and i thank you for that i'm an atheist mm-hmm. so i believe that we have one crack at life and this is it and you know what it goes really fast i mean i'm going to be 68 next month how the hell did that happen? i know yeah. i, I again, it's it's like how did i why how did i become a grown-up like, when did that happen you want to make the most of life while you can because it goes by so so fast so you know if there's one message i have for people i mean apart from have a look at their lives you know think about doing a life review is grab it by the horns, live it to the fullest. And this is why, you know, at the risk of sounding daggy, I commend the two of you because I think what you're doing and with the energy that you've got. You don't sound daggy, bring it on, I say. Thank you, Peter. Look, I tell you what, it's certainly reinvigorated my life, like doing this podcast with Trish. It's so much fun when we're here. Yeah, we do and we're learning heaps. Like Mm. our heads explode with, you know, the information that's like coming from guests such as yourself. And it's also been a learning vertical. You know, we've had a lot of challenges along the way, but holy hell, it's been such a ride. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's been awesome. The other thing is, you know, when you do something like what you're doing now, it's not who knows where this is going to lead. True. Yes. You know, I've, I've learned this again and again and again in my career, my long career, is that you try something out and you do something, even if it doesn't lead anywhere, you've learned a new skill. You know, you've discovered something new. But often 
you've got a contact that takes you here or you've got a skill that allows you to do this that yeah. you couldn't do before. So, so true. You know, life is a journey of many steps. It's good to remember too because we might look at the, like I'm speaking generally now, you might look at the, okay, well, that didn't work, but that's the overarching thing. You need to break it down and look at the skills that you learnt while you were doing that yes. thing is what you're saying. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's given Absolutely. you something. So it's, it's yeah. added value. As we say... No failure, just feedback. No failure, and just falling be- forward. Yeah, yeah. I've got, I've got Absolutely. so many questions that have cropped up in my mind while you've just been speaking. But can we just take a step back with the life review? Sure. Because I think it would be, it would be awesome to do. You know, like I'm sure there is lots of our fifty-ish tribe out there that would be listening now, thinking, okay, this is something that I should be doing or would yeah. like to do. So, can you take us through the ins and outs of a life review? I mean, I'm personally a firm believer in the power of the written word, for example, and understand that obviously that. That's the first step in a yeah. life review is to write. Well, is it well, like look, a timeline? Um, How did you do well, it? Well, look, a life, a life review is, is, is sort of similar to writing your memoir. I mean, similar and it's different and I'll, I'll explain how. And a, and a lot of people when they get to, you know, 50 plus think about wanting to write out the story of their lives and they often do so because they want to pass on the kind of family history to the generations who follow. And that's great. But we know from research that writing about your life can have a lot of benefits, particularly if you've had trauma in your past. Mm. But the people who seem to benefit the most from writing about their lives are people who use certain expressions when they write. Okay. And the expressions are things like, it now makes sense to me that... Or when I join the dots, I now realise this about me. Mm, In hindsight. Mm. Yeah. In other words, they're not just describing what happened in their lives. Mm. They're also kind of processing it, analysing it, unpacking Unpacking. it, making sense. Mm. And it's that second part, I guess, as a psychologist that I'm most interested Mm, in. Fully. So what I suggest in the book, the the basic method that I give, Mm. is I say, look, first of all, we want you to write about your and then we want you to unpack it. So there's two components. Now, in writing about your life, the first step is to identify what I call eras. What are the eight to 12 eras? Okay. Of your Almost like seasons. Yeah. If, if there's nothing else that I suggest you listeners do, you don't even need to read my book to do this. You can just no, you do, listeners. You do need to read his book because <laughs> it's brilliant. You know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. 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 Fact. But, yeah. <laughs> so what are the eight, eight to 12 eras? Now, an era might be your 20s. An era might be when you had pink hair. An era might be when you were in a relationship with Johnny or you lived in a house by the river or you mm-hmm. whatever. So it, it, you can define it however it makes sense to you. But just taking a piece of paper and writing out what would the 8 to 12, you don't do less than 8 and not more than 12. What would those eras be already is a fascinating exercise. And try to give each one a name. It's so funny. Mm. Even sitting here, my mind's Me too. mentally going yeah. through them. <laughs> I can see I'm that. doing mine. I'm so, doing Melinda's. <laughs> so, so that's the first step. And then you take the first era and then you describe what happened. You actually write up, okay, what happened in that era? And then you start unpacking it, making sense. So, for example, in my case, as I mentioned before, my first era was my childhood. Yeah. And in, in the unpacking, one of the questions that I asked myself was, okay, is there a different narrative? Is there a different story I can tell myself? Now, as you go through the different eras sequentially in your life, obviously different questions come up. So, for example, in your 20s, you know, which is typically when most of us tend to fall in love big time oh, yeah. for the first yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, says Mel. Oh, yes. Um, one of the really interesting questions is, why was I attracted to that person? And it may be, why do I keep falling in love with the same wrong person? Yes. Mm. 
that's a really interesting set, set of questions about, and, and I have all these questions in the book. So once, when you hit your 40s, you know, another set of questions is around the midlife crisis, which we talked about, and how can you resolve it? And mm. part of the resolution of the midlife crisis is to identify the purpose of your life, or maybe to redefine what the purpose of your life is. Mm-hmm. And I talk about that. So there are different questions that you can ask at different stages of your life, but basically it's about breaking your life down into eras, writing one up at a time, and then unpacking them using certain questions, all based on good sound psychological theories and research. Oh, that's brilliant. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it yeah, does, yeah, it does actually, yeah. Your th- <laughs> so, so, Trish, you're, you're thinking about the eras. Have you, what are some of the eras of oh your life? Oh, gosh, well, there well, was being growing up on the Sunshine mm. Coast, there was childhood, then there was yeah. being a teenager on the Sunshine Coast, the, the yeah. beach era and the childhood sweetheart era. Then there was the 20s single Trish era. Um, And then there was the, you know, kind of career radio moving to Newcastle Trish. Right. That's about about four. And then there was the living in Melbourne Trish. And then there was the back in Brisbane Trish. And then there was the getting engaged, moving to the farm Trish. And then there was Trish the mother. So so a number of the elements that you're using to define your eras are are around where you lived, um, what work you were doing, and what was your sort of emotional relationship status at the time. And that makes sense. That that would be, I mean, for me, one of my eras was when I lived in Italy. Yes. Yeah. Because that was a very distinct, a very, very distinct time. Certainly my university years with the drug, sex and rock and roll, well, maybe not that much rock and roll. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty explicit in, yeah, in, yeah. in, in yeah. what I got up to because, you know, you have to be. Yeah. But um, good. So are you going to start writing, yeah. writing the first yeah. era? Yeah, I've got a few other eras. Like I could break eras down into eras. Sub-eras. <laughs> Sub-eras. Yeah. Eras and yeah. sub-eras. <laughs> Glory days, hot <laughs> beach girl. <laughs> This is why I suggest perimenopausal embracing yes. the new curves. Yeah, no, yeah. Maximum, yeah. maximum of twelve. Maximum yeah, you got to cap it, right? If it's if it's more than twelve, then you're breaking the eras down. They're too small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can't so unpack them. And, and too hard so to unpack. Well, in the in the book, um, the way I the way I structure the book is I break myself down into two parts. Yes. So there's Pete who's the kind of the wild sex, drug and rock and roll kid who wants to look back at his life. And he consults the psychologist, Pete, and that's PQ, which are my initials, which is what I used to be called when I worked professionally. So the the book is actually a series of letters between Pete and PQ. So you can call me Pete or PQ. Or you can actually go backwards and forwards, whatever. I love that. So... Inside my head, there's a few alter egos, but one of them is the white horse and one of them is the dark horse. So maybe I could, the white mm. horse could write letters to the dark horse and vice versa. Yes. Maybe. Mm. Yeah. Yes. yeah. 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 Look, I found it as a device really interesting mm. and it made it very, very easy to write. And, you know, some people said, oh, you know, a bit of a worry that you're splitting yourself into two. But we, we do that often. You know, all of my life, whenever I've been unsure of what to do, I'd ask myself, well, you know, you as a psychologist, what advice would you give to me if I came yes. to this problem? 
So, you know, yeah. and, I, and, it, and I'd say, don't do this or do this. And it's like, okay, that's a great idea. Yes. And off I'd go. And it's so true. So we often have little conversations with ourselves. We do. We? And as I'm kind of towards, you know, in midlife and I'm much more aware of those negative voices in my head, I'll often say, you would not speak to a friend like that. Why are you speaking to yourself like that? And now yeah. I will mm-hmm. actually, as you say, be mindful of it and catch myself in the middle and just say, no, yeah. absolutely not speaking to yourself that way. That is not kind. Yeah, or you can you can even say to yourself, shut up. Yeah. Okay, don't you dare <laughs> say that to her. She's lovely. <laughs> She's lovely. Be quiet. Stop it. How yeah. dare you? How rude. Once I'm on a tangent, Pete, it's hard to stop. <laughs> I, can, I, I, can, I can see you walking down the street talking to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm picturing Kate She's Blanchett in that movie where she ends up. Oh, was it Blue Jasmine? Blue Jasmine, yeah. Mm. Yeah, oh that, was a, that was a great film. So, Peter, from a psychological perspective, is there a formula to yeah. staying positive through this transitional phase of life and, and and for us to continue living a fulfilling and a life full of adventure? Oh, crikey, that's a big question. Sorry. Um, Save the best for last, no, Peter. Sorry. Second last. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, um, look, I think being aware of yourself and being aware of those negative thoughts and stories and voices that hold you back, that stop you from exploring, that stop you from trying things, whether it's, you know, a new job or a new career or, you know, a different way of dating or I think self-awareness is terribly important, terribly. And most people are wildly unaware of themselves, Mm -hmm. I've found in my life. Mm -hmm. So trying to do some sort of exercise to increase your self-awareness. Yep. I mean, let me get, let me give you an example to tr- because it, you know it's very easy to talk in generalities here. I mentioned the idea of life purpose before, yeah, and uh, I, th- I think this will be very relevant to you too. What often happens is that you have what you think is a life purpose, but by the time you get to midlife, it sort of runs out of steam. It just doesn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you from my you know, mm-hmm. I had a great career, but it was all about fame and fortune. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make lots of money and I wanted to be famous. Mm-hmm. And the reality is that those motivations work in your twenties, they work in your thirties, but the, but by the time you're in your forties, they just they just don't have any value anymore. Yeah. They just don't mean anything anymore. Yeah. And it was only when I did this life review and I looked back, I realized what happened because I had a long, very hard midlife crisis. Yeah. And I realized what happened was that I I, I didn't redefine my life purpose. Now, what is a life purpose? There are three elements to a life purpose. First of all, you've got to identify what it is that you can do that most other people can't do. What the writer Charles Handy called your golden seed. What is the something that you can do better than most other people? Your superpower. Your your, your, your talent. Now, if you don't know, and this is where it links back to self-awareness, if you don't know what it is, ask about 10 to 15 people you know. Mm -hmm. Ask them, what do you think I can do better than most other people? And then listen for the trend because they will know. That's, I think, very important. Brilliant. So you got to know you got to know what your what your what your golden seed is, what your special talent is. Secondly, you've got to find a way to use it, to leverage it, to express it. There's no point just having it and you're sitting there in your room on your own. Yeah. Now, I knew what my talent was. I was good as a psychologist, and I'd found a way of expressing it, you know, through seminars and videos on TV. Yeah. But I had mucked up. I'd missed the third critical element yep. of a life purpose, and that is using your golden seed in the service of others mm-hmm. to help others. 
Now, you two, whether you realize it or not, you have found and you are executing a life purpose because you're doing this podcast. You're both good at it. So that's your golden seed. You found a way of leveraging it, but you're doing it not for fame and fortune, I believe. You're doing it because you believe it can help other people. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. why you're full of life and you're Mm -hmm. full of beans because when you've got a life purpose and you're working on it, life is exciting. It's it's electric. Mm -hmm. And what Mm -hmm. I've learned, fortunately, latish in life, but hey, you know, it's better late than never. Absolutely. Because I realise I know what my skill is, I know how to leverage it, but now rather than chasing fame, and fortune it's about what can I do to help other people and I've achieved now a level of peace and satisfaction that mm. I didn't have in midlife oh so that's rendered back. me that's rendered me speechless yeah that is so beautiful that's amazing but that resonates so well done oh yeah 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 resonates um I'm, I was almost getting emotional then when you were giving us feedback about our podcast yeah well yeah I, well I, it's I, humbling I, mean, I, I feel really very mean, proud I really I really do mean it. Thank you. You know, particularly the energy that you've got. And I said this right at the beginning before we even recorded. We were were chatting as we were were ironing out a few technical problems. (laughs) And I I was saying to you, because I'd listened to your podcast before, because I always do it before I do a podcast. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I don't. The vibe and the feeling. Peter, we've listened to you on podcasts. Yeah, we were stalking your podcast. We've been stalking you too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So sorry, I interrupted you. You know, no, no, okay, fair enough. But you know, I love your energy, and for me, your energy and your your enthusiasm is an indication that you have found your life purpose. Oh, yeah, nice. I I feel I feel that. Yes, yes, yeah, it is. Absolutely. Yeah, and Trish and I talk a lot, like through the week before we come to the studio and record. And yeah, I feel. Most definitely, yeah. It, a, a it very ticks so many boxes, yeah, you know. It's, sense of purpose. We're mm. learning. It's creative. To so many interesting people, but also we have connection with each other and other yeah. people as well. So it's yeah. it's yeah, collaborating. Yeah. yeah, look, it's talking to awesome people like yourself, and every single time we learn something. Mm. Every yeah. single yeah. week, it's awesome. Uh, okay. But look, I think I think the application of this to your listeners is if there are, if there are anybody who's listening who's feeling flat who's feeling lost, that they just don't have a kind of joie de vivre in their life, then, you know, life's not exciting. And this can be at any age. Think about your life purpose. Maybe it's time for you to identify what your skill is. And, you know, even if it's baking cakes, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't have to be, no. you know, Grand. being a media star, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Even if it's, you know, helping people cross the road, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Finding a skill that you've got, finding a way to use it and express it and leverage in the service of others. In other words, in in a way that benefits other people. Mm, yeah. um, that's the secret to actually feeling good about getting older. Yeah. Um, oh, that's what fills your heart up. Yeah. The key message. A particular purpose may not last your entire life. You may need to redefine it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. And redo it. You know, so it's not like you do it once and it's great. Right, I've done it now. This is my life purpose. This one but thing. as you yeah. say, the different yeah. seasons of your life, you know, <clears throat> those eras. different eras mm. could potentially have a different purpose. Yes, but it goes right back to the beginning when I was talking about Victoria Howard, that American psychotherapist, mm. where she talks about um, doing a life review but also passing on wisdom to others. Mm. It's the passing on wisdom. That, that's a form of mm. helping. Yeah, helping the serving other people. people. Yeah, and, makes sense. Um, 
I think a lot of young, you know, we live in a terribly ageist society. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So ageist. And, you know, it's easy for younger people to look at us and go, ah, what do they know? But in fact, we have such wisdom mm. and knowledge and experience, but we need to find a way to get it across to younger people, mm. you know, and, and a lot of it is about not lecturing them, you know, eh, 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 you mm. should be doing this. You've got to find ways of building bridges and connecting and hearing them mm. and you know, letting them ask us questions. And, and I find often I, I love talking to young people. Yes, I am and, too. And the game I play is I just throw out a couple of little snippets of wisdom and then I let them come to me. You know, it's like it's like a sort of I'm like a sort of walking mouse trap, if you will. Yeah. I let them kind of come to me, and they do, and they because they want to know, they want to ask questions. So, you know, the way we pass on this wisdom is very important. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Not bombarding agree. them, and just and giving lecturing. them a little snippet and let them come for more. Yeah, about that. Yeah, well, they'll just clam up. Like if you try and lecture yeah. them, they're just not interested yeah. in and being think, lectured. Yeah, by. and a lot of time that's our downfall because we know we've got a lot of wisdom and we just want to share it. So we kind of almost that's get right. a bit preachy. That's and right. that's what drives yeah, them we don't, away. Yeah, they don't do preachy. Mm. That's right. And that goes back to the idea of self-awareness again. Once mm. we realise yes. that, yes. we can catch ourselves and like, okay, don't lecture them because yeah. they're yeah. not interested. Yeah, Let's get off your soapbox. Yeah. I mean, this, the, the idea of being skilled as a communicator and as a, interpersonally is all about this idea of awareness and then having choices. Like, But you have to have the awareness first. And this is why doing this exercise at Life Review, whether you use my book or not, is so wonderful because you actually get to learn about yourself. I mean, mm. like I said, I learned, I, you know, I thought I was a pretty aware person. Sure. You know, having, having been in my profession, I learned so much about myself by yeah. doing mm. this exercise. Mm. Which and, is a superpower. Um, you know, it was delightful. It yeah, was yeah, 100%. And just so important to take the time <laughs> to do that. Yeah. Speaking of time, Pete, unfortunately we've run out. <laughs> So our wrap-up question, Peter, is what would the Peter of today, if you could go back in time and give advice to 20-ish Pete, what advice would that be? Oh, that's such a good question, Trish. I would say don't worry so much about what people think about you. Don't worry so much about whether things are going to work out. You're a great, smart, interesting, vibrant young person. Enjoy it and don't waste time worrying and being negative. Yeah, so true. Would I I have heard that as a 20-year-old? Yes. Probably not. No. And you wouldn't be alone. No. None of us would. that's That's what I probably say. Well, I can tell you now that we think you're absolutely fantastic. 50 and awesome, in fact. Absolutely. (laughs) Thank you. That's it from us today. We've popped a link to Peter's fascinating book in our show notes and also a link to his website. So go and check it out. You can follow us on Instagram at don'tgiver50 or email us at hello at don'tgiver50.com.au. Remember, we are lacking in reviews, everyone. Remember, so is I know, I'm terrible. Life is for living. Don't give a 50 because we're all 50 and awesome regardless of age and living and ageing is an absolute privilege and being it awesome is. is our right. Thank you so much, Thank Peter. Thank you so much, Peter. Mwah. Legend. It was a lovely pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thank you. Great day.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.